Hello and welcome. If you can hear the sound of my voice, we're back after a little brief hiatus. Uh, the Two Beers Please podcast crew is back here talking all things sports from across the country and indeed the world. Uh, we are recording right after the end of the Champions League final. So we'll get to all of that action. Dude, Obviously, do you understand <laughs> how much I want to be in the, the country of France right now? So bad. So Con, bad. Or is it Can Con? I think it's Con. 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 Then you got the, the Champions League final in Paris. Tomorrow you got the Monaco Grand Prix, probably the most elegant sporting of it in the world. And the French Open is going on right now. Like, yeah, it must be crazy. This is bullshit. This is. One day that'll happen in the U.S., though, you know? Like, everything will align. It's like when... It's like when no, the Olympics. I still want to be in France for it. <laughs> I don't want it to happen here. I want yeah. to be somewhere else. Fuck that. That's true. I'm actually trying oh. to get tick. <laughs> I'm actually right. trying to get tickets to go to the Tribeca Film Festival, and that's that's as close as I'm going to get. Uh, but that's uh, solid. That, yeah, we're going to make our way to the draft. We're going to go see Keegan get picked in the yeah. top five. There you go. We're going to talk about that too. Actually, we're going to talk about NBA draft. Obviously, we had some Premier League and uh, Serie A champs crowned uh, last week. We'll talk about that as well. Plus, we've got playoffs still. NHL and NBA playoffs. Uh, the NHL getting to its conference final stage. We've already got one finalist guaranteed in the NBA finals. Uh, the other one goes to a game seven because apparently the Celtics can't give Yannick a break. They can't give Yannick a break. They can't finish it off. And just for once, not go to game seven. Honestly, both these teams, it's like, uh, hey, would you like to have a huge win at home? And both of them are like, no. Hell no. Absolutely feels, not. That nope. feels... We that have feels to lose like, this home game. Right. That feels like it's too on the nose. I feel like... <laughs> if that stays pat, it's good for you. Yeah, I mean, the only good thing I have going for us is that we blew them out at home last time. It wasn't even freaking close. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's a lot to talk about. It's almost nice that we took a week off because now we got a good chunk of things to talk about rather than kind of everything still prepping. Now we can just talk about it. Uh, we got to enjoy some sports. Uh, Matt, you were you were celebrating a wedding. I, I was uh, apartment hunting, so a little less fun, but, but still important stuff in our lives. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, it was a good week off, I would say. Um, but yeah, Barbara what are you drinking today? Carbon hunting is stressful as shit. Oh, it's so bad. And it like Burroughs, I'm moving back to Manhattan, so I'll be back. I'll be Let's back go. in your neck of the woods, uh, which is going to be good. And yeah, it's just, you know, New York. If <laughs> if you live in New York, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Brooklyn is no longer affordable. It nothing is here unless you move so far outside of Bro- like of the Manhattan reachable areas. I mean, it is it is ridiculous. So I was like, well, I don't actually care which borough I live in. So why would I pay ridiculous amount of money when I can pay so much less for the same space? Um, but yeah, it looks like I'll be back in Harlem or Washington Heights soon. Oh, I just want to, I'm just so, I'm so tired of moving. I, I know so many of my friends who left because they were like, uh, you know, I just I'm moving. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's tri- fair. And now I'm like, no, I get it. I, <laughs> dude, I have, jo- I have jokingly said that like before, like, because I just don't want to move again, that I- I'll raise my children in this one bedroom apartment. <laughs> You guys just so I don't have family. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do, it'll be dude. It'll be real classic, like tenement style. I'll feel like my Irish roots, and uh, because I don't, <laughs> because I don't want to move ever again. I don't oh. want to move. Moving sucks yeah. so much. I I I I would never actually do this, but there was a part of my mind that was like, how illegal is squatting? Like, how illegal is it? <laughs> like, I'm not what saying I will, but I just, I'm just asking how illegal it is. What, like, what like, are the, yeah. What's the slap on the wrist are, like if right. I, I just happen to be. I just want to know. And, uh, but yeah, what are you drinking today on this fine Saturday night recording? Saturday night, <laughs> baby. I mean, this, I, this is a first, but I, I really do. Uh, Saturday night's all right. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, what are you drinking today? God damn it. 
I don't know why that even made me laugh. They're just <laughs> quoting the Elton John songs. Uh, I got to wear the classic Stella. I don't know why, but like this week, I swear I saw a bunch of people walking around with a six pack of Stella, and I was like, I'm getting a Stella. I can see you're, you're drinking a Stella, aren't you? I, I am drinking a Stella. I, I mean, this, this shows you that we're back, folks. This yeah. shows you that cohesive. we're back. It is cohesive as hell. Uh, yeah, no, I'm drinking a Stella as well. It is the prototypical international lager, people. I actually looked up some stuff. It's often described, I found in a couple different reviews, as unfussy, <laughs> which I thought was such an interesting word for a beer. It's but, unfussy. But accurate. But, but it's accurate true. Stella. It goes yeah. down Stella, smooth. It is unfussy. It is, and it's easy drinking. I've never been drinking a Stella and thought, my God, this thing is just fussy as hell. This thing is just not giving me a break. We, I probably, mean, we probably should have drank Heineken. But we sh- we should have, like, but I don't so have. Sim- but they're like so similar. I kind of feel like, but Stella's better. So I guess they're not that similar because. <sighs> yeah, I like Stella. You more. know, we I would have drank a Heineken if my team was in the Champions League. Absolutely, um, but I probably would be in a different state of mind right now if they had played in the final, um, because we would I'm have also lost. Win. I'm just trying to win conference, <laughs> European con- conference league. Hell yeah. Roma got it. It's your it's your title next, baby. Yeah. The second ever champion. That's, oh, where Man had, that's where Manny's targets have to be right now. Ten highs like, let me I, tell you. I told ECL. you we might make the Europa League and we shouldn't have made the Europa League. Brighton and Hobart Albion. Thank you. Thank you, goals, for beating West Ham and saving some embarrassment. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, listen, it's only it's only up from here. And yeah, before we get into all of the sports action that we uh, we want to talk to you about, because this is a sports podcast at the end of the day. Um, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk as as friends about sports, about something we love. And uh, unfortunately for us, um, we live in a country where things are so messed up that I have to like acknowledge another a mass shooting that has happened uh, this week, uh, a terrible um, school shooting that happened in Uvalde, Texas, uh, where 20 plus people lost their lives, uh, including teachers and 10 year olds. And uh, it just, I, I, I can't in good conscience go on and, and talk about sports without mentioning it. And I don't want to say much more because I, I don't have any more words for how horrible this is and and how completely idiotic and and ignorant uh this problem is and how it persists and and through both of our whole lives this has been our existence uh has been these occurrences and um but uh you know i i (laughs) i don't want to say thoughts and prayers because that's such like a loaded term in these uh places but you know being podcast people and not having the power to do things about it like so many other people do um you know i i I do my mind has been with that community uh uh, you know specifically uh for me uh a very heavily latinx community um for the entire week and and i know that matthew you feel the same yeah absolutely it's it's something that it you know it's it's something that's been prevalent in our lives, but it's it's only increasing more. The, the numbers are, are obvious from that, um, and even just from the stats of when assault rifles were banned, um, shootings were down. As soon as they that, that ban stopped in two thousand four, shootings have gone up. Um, and and it's the, the the shittiest thing. The thing that just starts getting you know you angry is is the people that do have some power in this stuff always want to be like, well, it's easy to politicize this. I don't know how the idea that we shouldn't let children be murdered is politics ever. It's, and it's not, it's, it's them, you know, using that as a, as a protection in, in the conversation, like, Oh, let's make it a politics thing. It's, It's fucking not. It's, it's protecting children. It's protecting everyone from a problem that is a specifically American problem. And, and of course, we need to do better in bullying. Of course, we need to do better in mental health. But there's one massive fucking outlier that America has that these other countries don't. And it, it is, you know, assault rifles and, and that sort of thing and the access to it. Um, and the other thing that always, you know, 
they're, they're so good at manipulating in the shit up because it becomes, you know, Hey, maybe we shouldn't have assault rifles. And then they'll twist it where they're going to take every, all of your guns. They're taking every single, and, and that, that I'm like, you're the one that's politicizing this bullshit. So, uh, and maybe the one thing we can do as podcast hosts and because I, I don't know why, but this one it's, it's felt, or at least it's hit me different. Um, I think the, probably the thing we can do is, is keep it around. I mean, if, if, if the one thing we can do is bring this up every single episode, then I don't care. I'll do it. And, and I don't care if it's like, I, I've tried to like keep the conversation going with just my friends because, and not even to keep them on it as much as just this, like, I need to do better at not just being like, Oh, and then we forget about it a few weeks later because other horrible things happen because, because we can't. Yeah, no, that's very fair. And, and I hope that the people that listen to this podcast on a regular basis know that, you know, this, we don't drop this stuff that, you know, we do try to keep in the conversation. I, and I agree. And that is, that is a really good point. So thank you for saying that. And yeah, <laughs> there, there's nothing uh, much else to say. I think, I think you wrapped it up there pretty well. And it's funny that by saying it's not about politics, they're the, they're politicizing it. It's such like an it's such an oxymoron. It's it's the it's the most hideous oxymoron that exists. <laughs> and, it's it's, uh, a, it's like the perfect monster. Like I mean, it's ingenious of how they fucking are like. Huh? Right, and also I want to say something as well. Like saying you know it's political, it's not political. I want to make something very clear. Politics involves things that happen in people's lives. Like that, the fact that politics has or has not to do with things that happen in people's lives, then what is politics about? Then it's fake, then it's not real. Then what is the point of any of it? And like, it's like to your point of people are just like, man, why are you people so into politics? Well, for some people, like, look, there's a lot of people that are very lucky. And and I would be honest, I'm one of them that the majority of politics don't directly infect me. Right. And that's the case for a lot of people. And so people are sometimes like, oh, why does it matter? Well, because a lot of it does directly affect people's lives. And, and this is certainly one. And, and it's just like a number thing where how, how can we pretend this is anything else besides or, or, or even just the fact of like. Innocent people, innocent children are being murdered. Why not try every possibility to prevent that? Everything. And if somebody yeah. called me up and like, hey, Matt, we need you to start taking a little bit less insulin to help. I'm in. OK, let's try them all. Like, shit, come on. Matt is sacrificing his diabetes. Yeah. I'll Follow run it 200. I'll run it 200. That's fine. Can, <laughs> I'll eat a little less oh. carbs. <laughs> like, Matt, fuck, man. Matthew Phillips, 2027, 20, people. Let's let's get it done. He's he's willing to sacrifice his <laughs> diabetic integrity. Now, Steve, Steve, Kerr, Steve Kerr for president. Oh, honestly, that... Yeah. And, and that exactly is, is what you can do when you're not involved in politics. You need to have a voice, whatever platform you have, you ha- you need to use it. And I, and I think that's another great example of that. And, you know, uh, yeah. It, it, and, and saying, and, and the last point I'll make is like saying, well, it doesn't involve me. So, you know, I, and I'm not political. It's like, this is the one I, I get how you can skew that. But like this has happened in so many different communities, it, I, it could happen to you. It, it, it's honestly at this point, it is becoming more and more likely that it happens to you and your family. So or even just the fact that like, you know, we had to go like how many of us have been in a in a movie theater or in a, and like maybe not every time, but sometimes, man, what if that happened right now or had that? That's so fucked up and it's not another thing like other countries don't have that issue so we can't keep like pretending that it's not a a specific american issue and that there's and that there's not solutions to it like because clearly there are yeah that's yeah that's all we're gonna say about it you know it's it's horrible and we're definitely we're definitely gonna do shorter than we said but we we knew ourselves we knew that was we were both getting heated immediately before this episode too we're like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) um you know but like i said yeah i already i my tv is broken i don't know even how that happened uh just from from the pure the pure rage rage. my my veins this Uh, episode brought to you by she-hole 
<laughs> Coming to Disney Plus. Oh my God. Okay, moving on. We're going to get away from America and we're going to go uh, to Europe first. And, you know, I, I think we have to start, you know, with the with the game of the day. And that is uh, the Champions League final. And we had a Champions League final between Liverpool. Obviously, was going for the quadruple. You know, I, that was denied before this game even started. But the Champions League was definitely... <laughs> <laughs> was definitely their their main objective. You had Real Madrid, the upset kings of Europe, you know, upsetting PSG, upsetting Man City, upsetting Chelsea, and 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 they had that man Kareem Benzema, who we said put some respect on his name. And they had that man Carlo Ancelotti, who we said put some respect on his name. Put some and they respect. Had, and they had that man Thibaut Courtois, who we didn't say, but he said put some respect on my name. Yo, very fair. We did not give nearly enough love to Thibaut Courtois in the build up to this game, and he we did not. We did he, not. He was like, "Fellas, I got you. I got you. You'll be giving me my love today." Yeah, and and that's exactly what happened. Liverpool don't even get a goal in this one. They lose 1-0 to Real Madrid thanks to a Vinicius Jr. goal. Uh, kind of ironic that they don't get Mbappe, but the guy who has his position is the one who wins them a Champions League. Obviously not the only one. Got to give a, you know Courtois most of the credit, but you know he is the one who gets the goal. And it's it's kind of... I don't know. What did you feel with this one? That it was an upset? Because the Real Madrid versus Chelsea, you know, situation, it had a certain feel of an upset to it. And Liverpool obviously was the team that was favored. But like with everything that had happened in this Champions League run, did it feel like an upset to you or did it just feel like an even draw? And, and you know, whoever was going to win was going to win. Well, I'll say the way, I mean, like, Stats-wise, Liverpool obviously still did kind of dominate. And coming into it, I still like, I still do consider it an upset because I do think Liverpool's the better side. But this, this match felt different than all those other matches because even though Real, like Liverpool, especially early on, was kind of dominating, Real always felt like they were playing the game they wanted to play, like that we've talked about before of, hey, great midfield, you guys do your thing. Thibaut Courtois, we, we're going to, I mean, obviously they needed him to make some miraculous saves. Um, and then if we can get one moment of brilliance from Benzema or Vinicius Jr., who has just been, I mean, what a, what a leap in ability this year that he's made. Uh, it, like, it, it was kind of one of those performances, too, where, like, now you're like, hey, what's, what could this guy do for, for Brazil? And, and Brazil might have some lineup issue. Like, how do you keep that guy out of the lineup? I, like. The way he's playing, uh, they're going to have some tough, tough decisions to make. Um, but yeah, it did. I, I, I still like consider it an upset, which will always feel weird when you're saying Real Madrid upsetting anybody, especially in the Champions League. Like that kind of feels like an oxymoron in itself. But it definitely felt like less of a upset. Like the match itself felt like Madrid was never quite on the ropes the same way they were up with those other matches. And of course those other matches, they went down deficit wise, but even before they went down goal wise in those matches, it, it was like, Oh, th that team looks a little better. And then we all was like, ah, here's our, our last gasp. Let's make a, a miracle out of this. While this game, it always felt like they're like, no, we're playing our match. And this, and this is how we're going to, if, if we're going to win this game, this is how we're going to win it. And they, they played it to perfection. Yeah. Do, do you? I, I totally agree. I mean, it just felt like even though they were the side that was defending more than attacking, that they felt very much in their comfort zone. Do you put any of that on Liverpool that you they must have known that this is how they were going to play the game? Do you put any of that on the tactics put in by Klopp? Do you put any of that on the front three not being able to, you know, make the most of their chances? Or really, was it Real Madrid had the perfect, you know, plan and Thibaut Courtois? to be fair, made the most saves in a Champions League final, you know, nine saves in a Champions League final. Um, but yeah, do you put any of that blame on on Liverpool? Should they have been more prepared for this? Maybe, maybe they could have been a little more, you know, attacking, a little more clinical. But man, the, like some of those saves Courtois made were just insane. Uh, of like, Liverpool, did, one? Liverpool oh. did like everything they needed to do. And then Thibaut Courtois was just better in between the goal. So no, like, I, I don't, I think I, 
I think I think for the most part, like, maybe Liverpool could have notched a little bit up, but for the most part, I I, I give the credit more to Courtois being able to stifle. Yeah, no, I agree. And their defense played really well today, too. Mendy was great. And Casemiro was all over the place. He and, was. And, and it was a great showing. And that midfield, I mean, let's give some love, love always to Luka Modric. Let's give some love to five-time Champions League winner Tony Cruz. That's right, five-time Champions League winner. Dude, uh, there's a few. Who else want to play as a five-time now? Marcelo is? Is, is Modric? Modric? See, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he was on the first Real team. I don't know if he was. He might. I don't. He might I not have to have look been. it up. I have to look it up. I yeah, know. I know look, Marcello was. Please look it up. Um, no, yeah, but I, mean, I both both, both Luca and Cruz like they even like early on when Liverpool was like kind of dominating. Like you could tell then Luca and Tony were like, okay, let's kind of let's let's settle this down a little bit, you know. And they picked their their moments when they needed to, you know, impact the game. He is. He was on that team. Dang. Dang, dang, dang. See, that that's just crazy. And yeah, I I I I put a little little bit on Liverpool. I think that they needed to change up their tactics. I'm not exactly sure what that should have been, but I think maybe using Luis Diaz more, you know, to like run that defense ragged somehow. Because here's the thing. They had the chance for a quadruple, right? And and in the three, you know, in the three finals that they played. They didn't score. None of them. They didn't yeah. score at all. They won two of them because of penalties and they lost the other one. And you kind of think then, well, that that's like a that's a that's a statistic to worth looking at. You know, that they couldn't score in any of the big matches. You know, are they too Especially for this for this team? Like right. when you think of Liverpool, you think like they're gonna score goals. Right. I mean, people were saying they're definitely going to score in this final. So Real Madrid just has to score more. And it turns out they didn't even need to score more than one. And and I also think there's something to be said about, you know, I think Liverpool was tired. I think especially Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane had to play in so many games and so many finals, including AFCON. You have to right. remember. Yeah. You know, I think that they were not at their top performing, you know, status. And so I think that definitely played into it. Um, but even saying all that, they, they had their chances and it was just up to a good defense, good Thibaut Courtois. And uh, at the end of the day, Carlo Ancelotti, like we've been praising his name. I love, I love it when it comes to fruition. It's such a good feeling. Uh, four time Champions League winner, most of a coach um, that has won the Champions League. And, you know, now where do you twice, say twice he, as a player too, right? Twice as a player as well. And you know, bad, Carlo, not bad, not, Carlo. Do you put him above uh, Pep or 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 Klopp at this point? I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's got to at least be third, right? Because yeah, like, he's, as much 100%, 100%. as it's because like as much as like we still say like oh Conte and Simeone they they impact the match more. Like I, he just wins, and, I, and yeah. I know he doesn't at top clubs. But every manager goes to like all those top clubs have great managers that go to every like they kind of cycle through the same coaches. They all go to the same spot. He's the only one that's won in every league, and, and he's just like tro- at the end of the day, like trophies do mean something, and that guy has more than more than most. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And like you look at his team, right? We talked about it. This game, they were able to play the sit back and counter game and win. And the last game, they were able to throw everybody up front and win. And they were able to do both of those tactics and switch tactics constantly. And, you know, maybe we don't see the animation that we see from Pep or from Klopp that makes us feel like that's a good coach. But at the same time, look at me, I'm coaching. Right. But he does his homework, you know, behind behind the scenes and it's very very clear and and how many times have we heard that in sports where it's not the work that you do you know it's not the work that you do in front of everyone that matters it's the work that you do when no one's looking and and it seems to be the case here um because in the game doesn't matter if they're winning or losing that dude has the same face it just truly it bewilders me just it is 
uh, it's great. There's a picture of them celebrating the the last, you know, the extra time craziness by Benzema. And everyone's jumping and crazy looking, and he just looks like he's lost four zero. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> somebody well. just stole my wallet. <laughs> wow, somebody dude. stole my wallet. I'm really sorry, dude. I'm really yeah, but we won. <laughs> I don't it's, care. it's okay. Oh. It's okay. My daughter also got married. Are you? I. You took that read, Carlo. Oh man. Okay, so quadruple quest didn't quite come to fruition for Liverpool. They win the two domestic cups. Did they even um, get a treble, or is there only one English team with a treble? <laughs> the past. You where I have to live. Yes, the past is where. For now, that's where you live. Maybe not forever, but for now. For now. Um. For now. Um. Do you consider the season a disappointment for them? I, I think so. Because, like, the League Cup is kind of whatever. And the FA Cup is, is, is always a nice trophy. But I think for Liverpool, for, for how good this team was and how close they were to the Premier League and the Champions League, um, and, and I think they should have won the Champions League. Like, I, this Real Madrid, Real Madrid team isn't untalented. But I don't think... If you look at this roster, you're, you're saying, especially compared to like the team that did win three in a row, like you're not being like, oh, wow, this team is easily the most talented in the world. Like, I, I don't know where I would rank it talent wise, but it's not one that you're like floored by the talent, uh, which, again, I think is part of where Carlo gets even more credit with this win because because of that. Um, but, yeah, I think I think for a little like you're not despondent certainly as a Liverpool fan, but, but yeah, I think, I think the season ends and, and you've got a bit of a bad, bad taste in your mouth because at the end of the day, the premier league and, and the champions leagues are, are the two, the two big ones. Like that big cup's a nice consolation prize, but for how close Liverpool was in those other competitions and how good the, the team is, I, I think you do have to be disappointed. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they have the, the, you know, gosh darn curse that we, you know, rate them higher and expect more. And that's just how that works. So, yeah, I agree. I think it has to be a disappointment. The two trophies you win are the two least important ones. One of them is basically a joke. The other one's a nice little bit of history because they hadn't won the FA Cup in a while. Um, so that's something you can hang your hat on. But, uh, you know, if you weren't going to make the push with Man City for the Premier League, you know, and not make that, especially because, you know, they had that draw that kind of put it out of their reach. Um, you know, you expected them to win Champions League and you're right. It was a very winnable Champions League for them, regardless of everything we just said. And, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, they'll be looking at missed opportunities more than they will the two trophies. Um, Real, Real Madrid, <clears throat> Champions League winners. Uh, they miss out on Mbappe, who makes this crazy U-turn that still feels illegal. I still think it might be. I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, it feels a little illegal though. Um, Wait, I've read that. The, why? Why is it illegal? I because I know, because I know like La Liga suing stuff, but I figured that was just La Liga being typical whining La Liga. Yeah, apparently there was some, there was some, um, it's unclear because not everything's been released, but apparently there might have been an agreement in paper that was then turned against. And I don't know how binding that paper was, um, but, you know, that's where I, where I'm, I wonder what's going on. That's pretty black and white then. You either signed a contract or you didn't. Right. And I'm not sure if it was a contract that was signed or like an agreement for a medical that was I, I don't know. That's the thing that there's this suit. There's this suit. And I agree. There being you know, we look at there being there were 100 percent. Mike, I, I kind of think it's probably that it, it it's transfers, hard to say. Transfers fall through all the time, too. They're just they do. They're, they're being babies. And I don't know why they're being babies, because in three years, he's going to be wearing a Real Madrid kit. Like, I, I don't know why they're throwing such a hissy fit. He's going to be a Real Madrid player. I still 100% believe that. And I, I love think, that he's I love that he's staying in Paris. Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably throwing a hissy fit because I think I wonder how much they let Erling Haaland go to Man City in order to focus on Mbappe. I wonder yeah. that. That they were, they were like, we're, they felt so that that's probably is what some of it like. There's like when they felt so confident they were going to get him. But here's the thing, Kylian Mbappe 
like I said, if you sign a contract, then yeah, you're in a thing. But you can lead a team on as much as you want. Yeah, this is especially this is, yeah. if it's going to mean the other team is going to pay you more. You know what that is? That's good god goddamn business, killing Mbappe. Yeah, no, I mean that's fair. There's secure no secure the bag. <laughs> secure the bag. He did, and so my question is it for you: um, is Mbappe was basically offered the the reins of PSG. They said if you stay for three years, not only are we going to pay you this ridiculous amount of money, but you get to have a say on all of the transfers we do. Would which you he, take which that? He already, which he already said. He's like, I don't actually get that power. What do you mean? And, well, there was he, he came out yesterday in, in the news and was like, no, I don't have like full power to get all transfers and in, in the manager and stuff. Like killing no, 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 came I, out and said that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have full power. But no, but when but stuff. like when it first got uh, out, like there were a ton of like soccer people being like, wow, killing Mbappe is going to be basically calling all the shots. And like, no, he's not. <laughs> so you think it was a good idea though for him to stay in Paris rather than go to Madrid? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I I wouldn't have knocked him to go to Madrid. It's, it, I mean, it's a club that even this year, like, they, they show their, their brilliance and their ability to to win the big matches, and it's a, a team with so much history. I think there's, like, as much as we paint Paris as one of the bad guys, they're all, all these big clubs are bad guys, all big money, doing whatever they want. Uh, and I think it's pretty cool for a guy who is still 23. I still think he's going to play for Madrid. Like, I, I really 100% still think he's going to play for Real Madrid in three years time. But I think it's cool for now as a Parisian to be like, hell yeah. Like, I know we can still do this. I know we're close. We have all the financial ability to win this champions league. Uh, and if I can bring a champions league to my home city and then only the second champions league in, in French history, I, I think you gotta like respect that part of Kylian Mbappe. And, and, and if simultaneously he can get a big ass contract again, I say good for you, Killian. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's totally up to him. And I don't think Madrid is so like, of course, historically, there's an advantage there. But I don't think that there's so much in a different place where it it makes no sense for him to stay at PSG. They had a bad season for sure. But, you know, with with Mbappe and and Messi and all those parts there, they're not going to have multiple bad seasons in a row. They will be right back. If in he it. was, you know, if he was back at Monaco and he was like, oh, I'm going to stay at Monaco instead of going to Real, I might be like, I don't know, Killian. You, you might want to make the move. But yeah, 100%. Like, PSG can do anything or maybe even more because of all the money they have than, than Real. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, for Real Madrid, oh, darn it. You just have to have your line led by, I don't know, Kareem Benzema, one of the best strikers, if not the best striker in the world right now. So, gosh darn, what will you ever do? What does Real Madrid do now? They miss out on Holland. They miss out on Mbappe. Do they need to get another striker? Or what do you think they should do to bolster their team next year? I mean, if I was them, and again, this is this is partly because in my head, I, I believe that that they're going to get Mbappe. So I, I don't think you have to get someone that's, that's super young. That there's been talk about like Anthony, about uh, Christopher and Kunu, who, and who I think the great players are uh, Rafael Leal from, from Milan, who people have been, you know, connected with uh, after his great season for, for AC. But I, I think it would be smarter if, if I was real and I wanted to get more of an attacking force to get more of a veteran player where in three years, you, you don't have to like stick with them. Uh, and, and I think, you know, possibly two of the guys who played today in Sadio Mane and, and Mo Salah, I, I, to me, it feels like Liverpool's not going to be able to keep both of them. I, I don't know why, but just from, from the reports, I think it's more likely that Mo Salah would stay at Liverpool. Um, I also think it'd be, if I was Real, I think Real would want Mo more than Sadio, but, but I think both those guys are, are a good option or hell Manchester city has got more wingers than they know what to do with. And, and I think, getting a guy like maybe even Riyad Mahrez, uh, but getting a guy that's a little older so that then the timeline for when Mbappe comes is still, you know, primed and ready for him. Right. <clears throat> I agree. I, I kind of see them as, you know, maybe go get yourself another veteran striker, 
But really, I would say just continue bolstering that midfield and get a good defensive stalwart. You know, maybe a Paul Pogba is up for grabs for not so much money. Maybe a yeah. Bernardo Silva is up for grabs with not so much money. Right. These players that are great and they're going to just, you know, build with Cruz and Modric, but aren't going to necessarily become the crux of your team. I also had Sadio Mane as here. You know, he's already sniffing around Bayern. Maybe he wants to go elsewhere. And I also look at Roberto Firmino. You know, we don't think of him too much because he's fallen out of favor, but he might be a great kind of secondary piece that you get in there. You know, you have another option up front um, because I think you're right. I think they they are going to get a big striker in the future and they have Benzema and Vinny already. So you don't need to break the bank just yet. And and the strike force is not where you're having problems, right? It's no. it's, yeah. it's, re- it's really not where you're having problems. Um but I see the defense. I think they should go get Antonio Rudiger. I think he was so good for Chelsea this year. He looks like he's ready to go. He would love to wear a Real Madrid shirt. Um, if Bayern doesn't get him, I, I would love to see Real Madrid get him because then you can have a true... You look at all these teams that we've considered really, really good, and most of them have like a true like a defensive stalwart, like a Van Dyke, you know, or... or you know, I, I, I just think that is such a good thing for a team to have, to have a defensive captain in the back. And and they have some great defensive players and some great veterans. But Antonio Rudiger is like a guy now that I think would help them so, so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and even, uh, you know, with, Al- with Alaba's like, and you, he, he's getting older and, and he's had some injuries. And, and Millie Tows, there's times where he looks great. There's times where you're like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. Um, and, and I, and I think uh, to your point as well, like if, if there's a part of your team that you're going to f- like focus on to bolster attack, is really not where you need to be concerned. hundred percent. They're not losing because of the goal. They're not losing on the goal score. They're losing on the goals against. Um, and that's just the truth. Um, yeah, he's either Miller. Wow. Or Miller. How <laughs> Miller. Ow. Ow. That's great. That's what that's the content I'm looking for, Matt. That's the content I'm looking what I'm for. I'm here for. Oh man. Um, but let's talk. We talked about Man City and and having too many wingers. Um, they win the Premier League in dramatic fashion. Um, let me recap for you if you're forgotten. Man City scored three goals in the last 20 minutes to come back and win over Aston Villa. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan with two goals. Just want to shout him out. You know, I need to keep that for the Germany World Cup. Keep that spirit. Good again, please. Um, and it, it was really important because Liverpool, they were down to Southampton, but they came back. Uh, but it ended up being in vain because Man City kept their own fate in their hands. Um, you know, they fail to get to the final of the Champions League. They lose the FA Cup in penalties, but they still won a pretty tough Premier League battle. You know, they have a lot of star quality across the board. They're going to get Erling Holland. How would you grade their performance this year as a whole? We kind of talked about how Liverpool, you know, season is a disappointment. Do you see Man City as similarly? I do. And, and, and I suppose now in my own head, I'm wondering which team I would feel more disappointed by my season. Yeah. And I think, and I think I probably would say Liverpool because right. City still did win, you know, one of the big two and, and if City had gotten like, there is, as, as much as I hate people being like, oh, LeBron James has lost in the finals this week. Like, I think that's the stupidest argument for someone not being great. Losing in the finals still stings more than losing earlier in a competition. It just does. Uh, so, like, the fact that Liverpool was so close on, on those things and, and, and had that, like, that final day of, like, man, maybe we might win. No, City's not going to. Um, and also, to possible City's credit, like, this is looking 365 days in the future, no team has ever won four straight Premier Leagues. So this win in itself helps them to, to possibly go get history. Uh, I'm still going to be tough on them though and give them a B. I, I, like, I, I think even with the Premier League win, it was a win that we thought they had racked up months ago and then they made it exciting by, by playing poorly. And at the end of the day, like we, we rang the drum all year. Manchester City needs to win the Champions League, and and they didn't. So, I give them a B. Yeah, I give them a B as well. Actually, I I think nice. You have 
Yeah, no, I I, I wrote number four. I give their season a B. Period. I I gave him a B plus at first, and I like now B. Yeah, and and the fact that I'm giving him that high is because I respect the Premier League so much. I mean, I read this other thing uh, the other day. The the winners of the Serie A, the League A, and the La Liga all finished with the same amount of points, 86 points, and that amount of points would not even have been good enough for second in the Premier League, and that just shows you kind of how how tough it is. So I, I give them that credit. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we you know that was kind of wrapped up. The fact that that it was such a dramatic thing at the end and they almost lost it, you know, is another case in point to you know this season was not an A season. Uh, and the Champions League, you know, it, it almost happened as we expected, and that's just like not good when you're expecting something to fall apart, and it does. Truly. And it it just feels like the moment is always too big for them. I mean, you were watching that game, and as soon as they scored the 2-1, you're like, oh my God, they're going to blow this. Even though there was no time left. Yeah. I just, oh, yeah. You're like, the, the fact that they just gave up that that goal, they're they're done. Yeah. There, there's and, no... And you can see it, and, and like we've talked about before, and like you, like you just said, like, they look scared. As yeah. soon as somebody punches them in the mouth, especially like, and I guess to their credit, they fought back against uh, Austin Villa. Uh, but Austin Villa and Real Madrid are kind of two different animals. Yeah, no, very fair. I, I also want to ask you, how much faith do we have in in Stevie G's Aston Villa next year? I mean, they finished 14th, but they only lose two of the last seven um, after losing like four in a row. You know, Gerrard seems to have his team in good spirits and they had really close matches against like Liverpool and Man City. Um, you know, do you do you think they could finish in the top half of the table uh, next year? I mean, I think it's a team. If, you, if you're an Austin Villa fan, I think you're you're hoping to fight for Europa League, Conference League kind of spot. I think they oh, could be the, the West. I think they could be the West Ham of, of next year. They they have a team that's that honestly like, on paper is so talented. We saw how well Coutinho started playing. I think there's still hope to be had for Leon Bailey and Danny Ings as, as poorly as they played in their first season for Villa. Um, and I'm a I'm a big Stevie G as a manager fan. Like he, I think he's. We've seen a lot of players. Ex players not be so good. He, he showed his work in Scotland, and and he helped save Villa's season this year. Um, there could have ended even worse than than it did. Um, so I think it's a team that that you can come in optimistic. But I'm I'm calling it right now. They're the West Ham of next year. Well, I love that. <clears throat> I mean, I also I think they're going to finish top half next year. I mean, I remember Leon Bailey for Leverkusen. I hated playing him. So I I, I hope he comes back because he's got skill. Um, and Ollie Watkins is really good. Uh, you mentioned Coutinho. Yeah, I think they probably need some reinforcements for sure. And now that Stevie G's there, maybe that will happen a little better. Um, but yeah, I think they they can play with top teams. It's just about turning those draws against Palace and Burnley into wins. You know, <laughs> like those got to be wins, yeah. boys. <laughs> those can't be ties. Uh, and that's what separates kind of a mid-tier team from those Europa League places. Let's mention the other two, uh, the other winner that we crowned. It was AC Milan. They win the Scudetto first time uh, since 2011. A fun fact, Ibrahimovic was there back then, too. <laughs> and, uh, uh, what was the biggest factor in their title run? Like, was it something that they did or something that Inter Milan didn't do? Was it a player? Like, what do you think? How did AC Milan get here? Because they definitely weren't the sexiest team going into the season. They were not. They, they weren't the sexiest team going into the season. Honestly, they weren't the sexiest team throughout the season. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I've been I've been more, I'd say, hard on Inter for not getting it done. And I was going to go down, you know, it's time to give Milan some credit because like, even though they're not that sexy, like I think their, their resolve needs to be applauded. They won their last six matches with Inter breathing. Like we talked about Inter being it right there. It's not like AC Milan wasn't aware that they were right there as well. They didn't let him shake them. Uh, They they hadn't lost the league match since January 17th. uh, And they did it with like such as a team, you know, Giroud and Rafael leading the team with 11 goals. The league leader was uh, Mobile with 27. Like it was a squad that, that got it done as as a full team, and I think that needs to be applauded. So ju- just their resolve, their fight, their ability to play their game and 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 come out on champions needs needs to be credited. 
Yeah, it's funny. We d- we we haven't been giving AC Milan a lot of credit, but in all accounts, they're kind of like a pre-Ronaldo Juventus. I mean, you look at what won them the league. It is for me two things: their defense, right? They have less than a goal conceded per game, which is always like a good factor to have in Italian football, and a clutch, a very, a very and- classic AC Milan way to win. Right, exactly. And a clutch end run. I mean, over their last games against Atalanta, Inter, Juventus, Lazio, and Napoli, they collected 13 points. So they did it well against the teams that were around them. And that's something we've seen Juventus do in the past as well. I also think some good coaching from Stefano Pioli. I mean, you mentioned it, you know, that the team was playing as a whole. Got to give a shout out to the coach. That's like it's something that a coach instills. And, and really good defense from players like Toure, Calabria, Teo Hernandez, Kier. You know, a lot of really good individual role players. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, as much as I still think a lot of this is on Inter Milan and what they weren't able to come to fruition with, I think you got to give AC Milan credit. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, who cares what we think? Because they got their first Scudetto since 2011. And Ibrahimovic is a champion once again. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you win, as long as you win. It doesn't matter how you win. It's as long as you win. Uh, let's end here with one more thing. You mentioned it um, happening in Europe. It's the French Open. We're currently in like the round of 16. Um, you know, it's it's hard to keep track of everything. Um, sometimes Grand Slam rise, especially when we've been out of it a little bit because, you know, it's the first of the year. Uh, but, you know, we got some, you know, classic contenders. We have some upstarts. Who's your favorite to win it all on the men's and women's side? Well, I think for the women's, it's 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 got to be Iga Swiatek, the, the defending champ, um, and she's just been dominant on the clay, and, and looks like it's going to be a tournament. She she might be running for for quite a time, uh, a la Rafael Nadal. And on the other side, it's you know it's never a bad idea to choose Rafa, but I'm going to go with the young Spaniard. I'm going to go with Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah. I think I think this is his tournament. I think he's. He had some scares. It's it's been you know he's had some challenges, but that it doesn't matter. Survive in advance, uh, and and so I'm going with Carlos and and Iga. I love that. Love love the 20 year old and the 19 year old is. Yeah, tennis is changing. With the youth, baby. Love it. Uh, I also am going with Sviatek. I think just there's no other name in the women's game right now that is dominant like like her. I agree. She could run this table without breaking a sweat, truthfully. Um, it just feels like that. It's looks and on so the- easy for her so far. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I, we've, we've been asking, like, is there going to be that next tennis powerhouse? And, you know, she definitely has the makeup of it early on. Um, and I cannot. For me, it's like going against Brady in the playoffs. I refuse to go against Rafa Nadal in the French Open. Um, as much as I agree that Carlo Alcaraz is, is for all intents and purposes, a favorite in his own right, uh, I refuse to count out the king of the clay court especially with Djokovic having been going through a lot of late, you know, I think I might have picked him otherwise um, simply because of his dominance in recent years in recent tournaments. But uh, yeah, I got to go with uh, Rafa. Um, Carlo Alcaraz is my, uh, is one of my dark horses, but I thought that was too obvious an answer because he's a favorite for me with Djokovic and Nadal. Um, So my dark horse, I'm actually going to go with. And before I say this, I have to make sure because I don't want to sound stupid. I have to make sure that he didn't get like knocked out today. I don't think he did. He didn't. Okay. And you know what? My dark horse is immediately going to get challenged by my favorite. My dark horse is 20 year old Canadian Felix Auger Aliasimi. Um, he currently ranks at no, not a number nine in the world. He's been waiting for a grand slam breakout. He's got a fantastic serve, fantastic forehand, and he plays uh, Rafael Nadal in the next round. So, you know, I, I'm you, saying, you, watch- know, you know, who his, you know, who his coach is. Yeah, Nadal's old coach. <laughs> his, I, and, Nadal's old coach. And Nadal's uncle too. Oh my god, I can't believe that. Isn't that crazy? That's, That's brilliant. Nuts. That's the sports drama you love. That is it. That's it. I want the movie Felix versus Rafa. I want it. Um, you know, and yeah, so that's going to be a really interesting game to watch. I think that's one Nadal could lose. That is one Nadal could lose. So if Felix can overcome Nadal, he's been waiting for that breakout. You know, watch out for him. He's definitely going for it. On the women's side, I got to say, uh, you know, someone, and again, I'm going to do this thing. This is live podcasting, people. This isn't something that we're just throwing together. This is all happening on the fly 
um, as we speak. Um, it sounds like we are just throwing it together, then, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, I just I had notes, and I just don't. I want to make sure. <laughs> I because know, no, no, I actually was literally thinking the exact same thing, and I was just like, "Wait, they didn't get knocked out, did they?" Right. Well, the French Open is like six hours ahead of us, so they could always have gotten knocked out. And I just didn't hear about it. Um, no, but my my dark horse has to be Simona Halep. You know, she won the tournament 2018. You know, Sviatek, you know, she's 20 years old. There's some questions still about, you know, how long the dominance goes. Um, I, I think Halep has the experience when it comes to this tournament um, that maybe she can rest a little way. But um, I, that's a, a much more a much bigger dark horse for me than Felix. Uh, who are your dark horses for this tournament? Uh, my my dark horses are uh, Simona Halep got knocked out. Oh no! When did that happen? Did it happen second, yesterday? Second round. Ugh. Okay. Well then, no. One well, that's why she was such a dark horse. Uh, my dark horse for the women's side, Elise <laughs> Mertens. Yeah, dude, you don't get another dark horse. Your dark horse is unfortunately ended like most horses lives. Oh uh, Elise Mertens, even though she's going up against the great Coco Goff, so whoever wins that match, I'll be quite happy with moving on to the quarters. But I, I got got the Belgian Mertens. Uh, I, I don't know why. I was looking at the list. It was like she's she's gonna have a good tournament. She's doing well so far. And then on the men's side, uh, I'm taking, again, no idea why, Casper Rude, a Norwegian. He's already the most successful Norwegian tennis player like of all time, and he's going to continue that with the great dark horse one, maybe. Oh, my gosh. Love it. Well, you know what? I'm throwing I'm throwing one more name in there because I feel embarrassed. Uh, Sloan Stevens is still in the tournament. Go, Sloan. You're yeah. unranked, but Dude, you're still the, the American. The American women are killing it. They are. They are killing Pegu- it. Pegula, Keys, uh, Stevens, Anismova, uh, Coco, Off. all yeah. are all are battling for quarter final spots, and none of them are playing each other. We could. Americans are taking over. There you go. Enough time. Not like they haven't in the past. Um, um, and my last question for you, uh, just like a fun one, but like I feel like we have the same answer here. Who do you think wins this tournament in five years? Oh gosh! Like, who do you um, think is on the cusp that is going to be like a tennis powerhouse that you're like, that's the I'll person do, who's going to win? I think, honestly, I'd probably go Egan and the people I pick for this tournament. Yeah, Egan Crockett. Like, <laughs> they're only going to get better. They are only going to get better. And Carlo, the exciting, the exciting thing about where where sports I, is though, too, like. I feel like the talent is just getting younger and younger. So it's one of those things where like, yeah, they're both probably going to be extremely dominant tennis players at that time and, and, and be, you know, favorites for this, this uh, competition year in and year out, but who else is going to arise? You never know. That's right. You never know. So Carlo, no pressure, but you now have to win this tournament and the one in five in years, five years. So, uh, good luck. Yeah, I both of them. <laughs> 